And may I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please take a seat, my friends. Jesus has been called a lot of things since his ministry began. He was a lot of things to a lot of different people. But he was no fool, and he was never blind. He knew conflicts would arise amongst us. He knew that we would face situations in life where we have the power to forgive and where we have the need to be forgiven. And so today, Peter says to Jesus, he said, how many times should I forgive my brother? It's a good question. And my friends, problems don't go away by burying our heads in the sand. That just makes them worse. And often, there's actually a reason someone's done what they've done. It's not always a good reason, but there's usually a reason. When we see the whole picture, we may actually spot that reason. But it's important to have the right attitude. So when a brother or sister wrongs us, we're looking at putting the matter right, not scoring points against them. And one of the things that I love about sort of diving into the different liturgies is there's a terminology called remission of sins. And I absolutely love that. Remission of sins. That word conjures up images of healing, of an illness that's passed, a wound that's finally closed and no longer troubling us. And that's what it's about when we seek forgiveness or when we have the power to forgive another. Remission of both the wrong party and the one who did the wrong. There's a lovely quote by a theologian who's very close to my heart, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And he once famously said, I'd like to share with you two simple truths. One, there is nothing that cannot be forgiven. And two, there is no one undeserving of forgiveness. That's, that stuck with me, that did. And that was pivotal on my own personal faith journey. But we'll touch on that later. And often, those who sue for peace, those who sue for the remission of sins, those who sue for reconciliation, can be seen as weak, or worse, collaborative in whatever has transpired. All too often in today's society, we see people who want those who stray dealt with in the harshest possible terms. You see it on Facebook, oh, hang him. And the guy's probably got like a speeding ticket or something. It's crazy. There's no recourse there for that reconciliation. There's no room there for that remission. There's no space for redemption. But if this happens, if we were to give in to that demand, that temptation sometimes, to just treat people harshly, just cut them off, punish them and be done with, throw them in jail, have them tortured until they can pay their debt, as we've just heard in the Gospel, <coughs> people don't have the chance to learn. They don't have the chance to grow. I'll share with you a gospel story. I'm sure everybody in this room already knows. It comes from a different part of the gospel. But there's an adulterous woman who's about to be stoned to death. Jesus strides out. He protects her. He tells the crowd to stop. And he challenges them with these words. He says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. It's powerful stuff. But imagine if Jesus hadn't been there. Just for a second. 
Imagine if that woman had been stoned. That would be the end of her story. Probably forgotten about in a week. But in sparing that woman, what Jesus does is he, again, he remakes, he makes things anew, as he did all through his ministry and continues to do today. But what he does is he gives her the chance to use her experience, to show others the path that she has walked, to be a witness and say, yep, it happens, but it can be better. This can be made right. Forgiveness is possible. Now, technically, it's not actually in today's gospel, but it is in the book of Matthew. Matthew 9, 9, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. That terminology struck me. Peacemakers. Peace doesn't happen by itself. You have to make peace. Peace has to be a goal in your mind. Something has to have happened and you have to think, you know what? I want this done. I want peace. And you have to work at it. And with so much that goes on in life, there's always a risk involved. There's a risk that the other party that you're trying to get peace with doesn't want it. All you can do there is make peace with it in yourself. Make peace with it in the name of the Lord. And hope one day that they too will make their peace. There's a theologian called Larry Crabb. And he wrote this, he said... The difference between a spiritual and an unspiritual community is this. It's not whether conflict exists, but it's rather our attitudes towards conflict. Our approach to handling conflict. When conflict is seen as an opportunity to draw more fully on the spiritual resources of the gospel. When it's seen as an opportunity to draw more fully on the teachings of Jesus Christ. Then we have the makings of a spiritual community. So my friends, in other words, how we handle the conflicts that arise in life, how we deal with it when we are owed a debt, or indeed when we owe a debt, that determines the level of our spiritual maturity. The truth of the matter is, we're always going to have things we disagree on. And some issues, they're huge. Some issues are absolutely massive. Things like same-sex marriage, how to tackle poverty. How we continue to make the gospel relevant in a world that's obsessed with the quick fix. A world that's obsessed with self-glory. Look at me, aren't I brilliant? We get that so often. The latest vanity projects of the super rich. Some sheik's board decides to buy a football club. Or if you're Elon Musk, you decide to try and fly to Mars. We have these massive, these massive conflicts... And then we have little tiny things. Things like, are trainers acceptable footwear in church? Whose job is it to put the bins out on bin night? Why is it always only ever Bob who agrees to play Santa at the Christmas events in church? Or in St. Gladys' meal, Jeff. <laughs> but how we handle these problems, how we handle these conflicts, that's what makes all the difference. That's what makes or breaks a relationship. And relationship is what this community is built on. It's what the church is built on. Our relationship with each other and our relationship with Jesus. We've got to have the right attitude, my friends. We've got to be ready and wanting peace. A 
as I've often talked about up here in front of you, as a young man I was not good. I spent so much time away from the church, away from Jesus. And I thought more of myself, the quick fix, what we just talked about. At this point, any attempt by my brothers and sisters to, to try to talk me round, to try to work things out with me, to show me the error of my ways and help me make peace, they would have been absolutely met with stiff resistance. And so, my friends, sometimes something will happen and we have the chance, or we think we have the chance, to forgive our brothers or sisters. And maybe they're just not ready for it. At that point, all we can do, like the, like the king in the gospel, like the landowner in the gospel, we make our peace. And we hope that one day, they too can make theirs. Now, most of us were luckier than some of the people that are out there still. We're able to make amends. We're able to seek forgiveness. It seems sometimes like forgiveness is so far beyond us for the things we do. Some mountains seem absolutely unclimbable. But remember the words of Desmond Tutu. No one is beyond forgiveness. And so my brothers and sisters, as I bring this into land, there will be many times in life that we have absolutely messed up. However minute or severe the transgression will be, there'll be times, there'll be instances where, sadly, we are the bad guy in somebody's story. All we can do in those moments is hold our hands up, admit our wrong, rely on the forgiveness of our brothers and sisters, and rely on the forgiveness of our Holy Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, there's shame quite often attached to our sins. We have that feeling of self-recrimination, that guilt. And some of us can punish ourselves far worse than our brothers or sisters ever could. But it's in these moments of clarity, these moments of self-reflection, and sometimes we can get a little lost in our own shame. But it's in these moments that Jesus can truly reach us. He can truly reach into the muck that we find ourselves trapped in. He can grab our hands and he can haul us out. He can forgive us. He can help those around us to forgive us. And important, he can help us to forgive ourselves. And sometimes that's the hardest one of all. Often when we deal with sin and wrongdoing, it's oh so easy to perpetuate that cycle. We see it time and time again. Vengeance begets vengeance. Evil begets evil. As we see with the unmerciful servant... He was shown mercy, but he chose to seek vengeance. In a sense, he was given that clean slate. And not five minutes later, was making the same thing he tried to avoid happen. happen. And so, my friends, I've said it so many times. Break that chain of pain, because it can wrap around us so easily. Forgive those who wrong you. Ask for forgiveness from those who we wrong and remember, in all that we do, that the Lord Jesus went to the cross to forgive each and every one of us. Amen.